Hey guys, uh, welcome to the second episode of the Big Blue United podcast. It's great to be with you today. Um, you know, just to uh, throw it back to last week, you know, we're always making improvements. We're always constantly improving the pod. We've, we've heard your feedback. Uh, we've listened and, and we're going to get better. And if you have any questions or comments, you know, send us an email over at BigBlueUnitedPodcast at gmail.com. Positive, negative, whatever you guys want to say. Uh, just let us know, and, and, and we'll, we'll incorporate it, and we'll, and we'll try to get better at it, you know. So, Colin and Dan, how you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Yeah, hanging in there. Nothing new. Life's Groundhog's Day. Every day is the same, so I think it's Monday when we're recording this. Oh, and because it's Monday, and we record this, and we released the pod later on in the week, we should note that we made some mistakes last week based on news that we had at the time. So, last pod, we talked about a cornerback. I think we referred to him as... Rod Carquell, but <laughs> it's Rick. It's Rick Contrell, I think. Rick Carlisle. <laughs> oh, um, must be yeah. Well, Russ Russ Carc. Uh, <laughs> I can't even say his name. Is. <laughs> Ross Cockrell. Ross yeah. Cockrell. We yeah. thought he was signed. He wasn't signed. That fell through. So we're missing out on a sub, you know, average cornerback. So it's not a huge deal, but we reported on it. So you know, it was weird about that though. Uh, Apparently, when we tried to re-sign him two years ago before he went to Carolina, the exact same thing happened. It was one of those the deal seemed like it was down, and then last minute he's just like, "That I'm going to Carolina." So I'm just personally upset that we don't have more players from the Carolina Panthers and the Giants now because it's not (laughs) enough. It's not enough. (sighs) <laughs> well, if we just want to hop into like some of the news from this week, obviously uh, the padded practices have begun. Um, judges planning on doing intra-squad scrimmages uh, instead of you know to make up for the preseason games. Uh, I guess guys are being you know close to full speed or full speed, um, which I think is a great way for them to evaluate the players. Obviously, it brings in some more industry, uh, injury risk. Um, that being said, you know I don't think anyone is like. Gonna hammer Daniel Jones in the back in the backfield or anything like that. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on these inter squad scrimmages, Dan? Uh, initially, it sounds awesome, right? It sounds like we're gonna find out a lot in practice and and sort of make up for a lack of preseason. But uh, in the end, you know, how much different is that from doing just padded drills? Um, I think it'll be good for this team because they're young and um, there's just a lot of new faces. So hopefully, they'll they'll sort of simulate real game time activity and, and that might bring them together from a bonding perspective. Um, but you know, who, who, who really knows? Uh, we're not gonna be able to see it and we're just going to rely on what people say about it. So. Well, yeah, the first one's on August 21st, so I'm sure we'll read a whole bunch about it. Um, that's for sure. And you know, we saw some other stuff at a training camp today where judges, uh, taking the names off the jerseys and they're running laps for mistakes Colin, what, what kind of camaraderie does creator does that to the opposite effect, do you think? Uh, well, I, I like the idea behind it. I just think it's such a, a throwback, kind of archaic way of going about things that the new player, I don't know, buys into that. Um, however, I think the fact that they can be held accountable and run laps for penalties or mistakes is, is great to tie in with that. So maybe when it's all put together, it can make sense, but... You hear about that kind of stuff happening from other teams, and, you know, it, it can or cannot work. It's kind of hard to tell, so I don't know. It's cool. I'm down with it, but I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of it seems a little, like, arbitrary to me. Like, the taking the names off the jersey, I just don't see what the point of that is. Um, you know, I know we were joking today. It was like a, the Giants should just have blue Gatorade because they're big blue, you know. What does that do to win games for you? I mean, I guess the laps to me is, like, oh, is fine. 
um, you're kind of putting ev- on everyone on the same level. Apparently, um, coaches yeah. ran laps. Yeah, <laughs> they should. They, they should did. run laps. They did. You know? Good, good, good. From what I heard f- from from Coach Judge was that the idea is we're looking at players' performance and their bodies, and we're forcing people to really learn who each other are by their you know play style and and go out of their way to meet each other rather than just rely on the names in the back, which sounds good. It also sounds like. He's just cribbing stuff from uh, cribbing stuff, excuse me, from uh, you know, Belichick's playbook, which yeah. is what we hired him for, and that's fine um, with me. If it works, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it's good to hear the coaches running that because you know when you are running like you know a team in any any aspect, you know you should never be willing to tell someone to do something you aren't willing to do yourself. So I think that's a positive sign coming out of camp today. Um, uh, we can move on to you know we had a the Graham Gano sign today. Contenzaro's uh, caught. Um, so, you know, Graham Gano spent his career with, uh, what was, what was the team he spent his career with, most of his career with guys? Do you remember what, what that one was? From the uh, South. Yeah. NFC uh, South team, I think. There's, there's there a North, a North version of the state too. Oh, that's right. It was the Panthers as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so another Panthers guy, um, you know, Gano was hurt the last two years, which is why he didn't play. Um, he's made a Pro Bowl before. I mean, I don't see why this is bad at all. I mean, they need a kicker. He's had success. I don't. I don't have a big opinion on it, to be honest. Do you guys really think of anything about this? Colin, or? what about you? You're, you're sort of Scottish, right? Do you do you feel good about this as a? Uh, I do. I think he's a more accomplished kicker than Ken Zero. Um, so that in itself will just make me feel a little more positive about it. I mean, a kicker is a kicker. We love them, but I I, I was actually surprised that uh, that Ken Zero was uh, cut. I thought there was going to be a competition kind of thing. I, I don't know if they're going to bring somebody else in, but or they're just going to give him the job outright. I, I mean, do, do you even know what his injury was the last two years? Two years to be out is a long time. Leg. Le- oh, that's a problem. Yeah, you kind of need that. Don't, I might be wrong, but it was a leg injury. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> the extent of it. but Yeah, you might need your leg. I, I mean, I, I, wish they would, I hope they bring in somebody young, uh, undrafted, something like that, just to see what they got. You know, I don't think putting two 30-plus-year-old guys against each other in camp is worth anything. You, you know, you know what you're getting out of these guys. If if they're even back to where they, where he's gonna he was rather uh, before the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm but not sure kick. veteran kickers really do you know competitions in camp. I feel like they can just hop somewhere else where they know they'll they'll be number one in line. Yeah, you can hope so. Um, and I guess the last thing we want to mention out of camp because I know it pissed me off. I hope it pissed you guys off too. Is uh, outside linebackers coach uh, Brett Bellema. Um, saying the outside linebackers are guys that just show up no one is spectacular to me as a coach what kind of message are you trying to tell your players that you know (laughs) oh uh it's all their fault i'm not going to teach them anything but but and you got two young guys too i mean maybe you know what you have in fackle and golden but zimenez and carter both need developing so instead of them show when they show up, why don't you teach them something and not complain about them instead? Colin, <laughs> what do we think? So that's baloney throwback old school coach talk, meaning <laughs> he's trying to perpetuate the the idea with the names on the back of the jerseys not being there. It's like uh don't talk about one player. It's all one big group and they have to work to get to a certain point to earn the uh I don't know, I, I guess um, the gift of being talked about in the media. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, it, it, what purpose it really serves. He thinks he's trying to motivate people, and I don't think that is how it's going. So, To me, it seems just like an ego check. You know, like these, this coaching staff doesn't want to get 
in these guys' heads. They want him to work really hard. And, and that's great. You know, sort of just a, not a very great way of going about it. He literally said, just kind of guys who show up to work every day. Or, that, or, like, or well, who, who you call lunch pail guys. Yeah, that's what it's code for. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Lunch pail guys. A lot of big talk from a guy who's never coached in the NFL on any level before, despite <laughs> despite being a head coach in college for two separate teams. Uh, I mean, either way, um, we're going to get into talking offense today. We're going to hit all the position groups, talk about all the guys, um, hopefully have a little insight for everybody. Um, I know last week we already talked about you know the new regime and the coaching staff, but obviously this offense will be run by Jason Garrett. Um, you know... Um, we had our opinions on him last week. We, we know what kind of offense he ran in Dallas and had some success there. Uh, we know, you know, he developed two guys that were late round draft picks into being serviceable quarterbacks or, you know, in some people's minds, great quarterbacks. Tony Romo hit a couple Pro Bowls. Dak Prescott has good stats. I know he gets uh, knocked on a lot for his play. Um, you know, do you guys just want to quickly touch on your thoughts on Garrett real quick? I mean, I don't know how much we have to say because I'd rather just, you know, maybe head back and check out our last podcast for more information. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, uh, Garrett's going to have huge development on obviously the most important player this year. um, And, you know, the guy that's really going to dictate the future of this team, Daniel Jones. Um, So last year he had 3,000 plus yards, 24 TDs, 12 picks, had a lot of movement on the ground as well. Um, I know we saw a couple great plays from him scoring touchdowns in the red zone that were really exciting during a couple weeks. Um, you know, I guess the number the, the number one thing was the the fumbles and the turnovers. Um, Colin, how much do you vest in like a rookie quarterback turning the ball over that much? Does that really an indicator for you on you know his his development or his future in the league at all? Uh, I mean, when you start that many games in your first season you're going to have some deficiencies. Rarely do you see anybody not have it. So if that's the one that he has to work on, uh, I mean, at least it was fumbles and he wasn't throwing an insane amount of picks. If it was that way and, and you know, not the way it actually was, I'd be a little more worried. So I think that is fixable. And, um, you know, I, I think he worked on his physique a little bit too. So maybe that will have something oh, can to do you, with it. Can you can you tell us more about Daniel Jones' physique, please? And uh, can you can you hit on specific muscle groups you're excited about? Um, well, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I think that Danny was jealous of uh, Saquon's quads, and he has been really working on getting them to be at least. Uh, a quarter of the thickness of Saquon. And, uh, you know, frankly, to get practical with it, the stronger he gets, the less he could drop the ball. Uh, and he looks like a completely different man from last year, if you look at those, those pictures of the juxtaposed. It's bizarre. I, I wonder how much he weighs. I want to know. I want to know everything. I want to know his workout routine, when I can start working on it myself. Yeah, what do you think? Like squats, deadlifts, a lot of, uh, you know, Romanian... Uh... One-legged pulls. What, what was he doing? Uh, he looks like he's been flipping cars. I, I, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I want to know, though. Um, well, I know that Colin is desperate for him to be in ESPN's The Body Issue whenever that is released <laughs> this year. Um, we can only wait for that moment for Colin's sake. And, and I hope you guys, you know, send Daniel Jones some tweets and some, uh, some messages on Instagram to let him know he needs to do that issue next year. <laughs> or, 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 if, or if we can have him do it on the podcast. I mean, he, he can... Colin can shoot it. He's got an iPhone. We're ready to rock. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, give us a call, Daniel. We're we're ready for you, whenever that might be. 
Um, so, I mean, going back to the same thing, I'm not concerned about his turnovers. I don't think it really matters for a rookie. You know, I, I think, like, Peyton Manning threw 28 picks his first year. You know, I think his career turned out okay. Oh, yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Um, yeah. I, I think mean, it, compare him to oh, one ahead. of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, it's not yeah, like he's I mean, playing that way already. Come on. I, I, for me, the takeaway is, yeah, he had a, a lot of turnovers. Uh, plus, uh, was 18 fumbles, I, I see. Or is it 12 fumbles? It was 18. 18 fumbles. Well, but the thing that, so my takeaway is he also rushed for 279 yards um, and he threw those interceptions, and he, but he wasn't checking down. I didn't want him to get scared and start checking down at two, three yard passes. He was still trying to put the ball in tight holes, yeah. um, really throwing some lasers just in just tough throws that he's attempting and he didn't quit trying to, trying to make those passes happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, take your lumps now get that experience, get the, that timing down of, of throwing those types of balls and, and just improve upon it this year. Dan, how, how surprised were you in how he ended up turning out for his first year, at least, compared to how, from what I recall, your disappointment of us drafting him? And I know it's where we drafted him is the biggest disappointment, but I want to hear how you feel after last year. Yeah, I mean, it's all gravy. I thought he was going to be dog poo uh, based on his film from college. And uh, every scout that I read and every pundit that I read and every analyst that I read thought he was being super overdrafted, was second round, maybe third round talent. Um, and they didn't really have anything. It's true. Don't give me that look, TJ. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think he would have made it to 17, to be honest. No, I don't either. But... In the first round, but continue. There, there were scouts that I read that, that, that had said that. I don't remember who they were at the time. I tried to block it out. Um, but <laughs> you those, took a hate nap after that pick or no? I, I need to decompress for days after the Giants drafts. Um, but like I said in a podcast that was unaired, uh, I really do think that uh, he, he surprised and he did a lot of things that he was worried he wouldn't be able to do. Um, he showed great accuracy. The, uh, his arm power was, was seemed to be there. I'm not sure he had too many real deep balls, but uh, he got the ball – uh, in sort of you know, 20, 25 yard passes there on a line. Uh, I don't think anyone was, was waiting for the pass. Um, and he, his ability to move and create outside of the pocket oh. was huge. That's something that we didn't have in the past, whatever, 16 years when Eli was quarterback. Yeah. He was able Ever? to create and uh, make stuff happen when the play didn't work out exactly like it was supposed to. Uh, I think. Oh, go no, ahead, Colin. Ever, I was just going to throw Fran Tarkenton in there. But you, you, oh, that, good point. That was good before point, your point, time. So, I, I mean. oh, way before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think his biggest problem last year was maybe just held on to the ball a little bit too long in the pocket. Um, I know he was in the you know bottom half of the league for holding on to the ball too long, and the offensive line didn't give him any you know help in that area either. So I think you know I know I was reading that he's really working on his pocket presence this year trying to get the ball out faster, and I think that's really going to improve his game. You know, he was accurate, and, and I think, you know, he did drive the ball downfield at times, specifically to Slayton. You know, Slayton didn't get eight, eight touchdowns on, on mostly deep runs, you know, because Daniel Jones has a noodle arm. That's for sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, football is a team sport, and it's, it's very reliant on the other units. You know, as much as, as the more success the offensive line has – the more success the running game will have. And then, you know, the more success Daniel Jones will have as well. And, you know, for young guys, working off play action is always, you know, something that you want to be doing for them. Oh, yeah. Bring their confidence up, completing easy passes, doing easy throws, 
and just getting him into rhythm early on in the game. So, you know, we're going to hope that Garrett can, like, really get the best out of, out of Jones this year. Do you guys have anything else to say about Jones before we kind of move on and talk about a little bit more about the running game? Uh, well, I think that the idea of going into Garrett's system, uh, I think, will help him a bit. I mean, it it seemed to be somewhat of a quarterback-friendly system, but it was very reliant on good offensive line. So, you know, we'll touch on that in a little bit. I, I, I don't know if he's a West Coast quarterback, and that's kind of what he was playing in last year. So I think it'll be a nice change. Yeah, totally. I'd just say that I, I hope that Garrett um, is more inclined to run play action passes. I think those are just a, a super effective uh, play type and, and really great for opening things up for a quarterback down the field. Mm-hmm. I think statistically it's just been proven that play almost every play should be a play action to some extent. There should be a, a threat of a run um, if possible. Um, but Garrett's offense isn't known for that. And maybe that's because he had the best offensive line and one of the best running backs. They can just sort of grate you down and, and do that smash mouth style football, um, which is something that I guess as we get into running backs, we can talk about um, just the wear and tear on our, our running back core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, and I'll just mention that Slayton, Tate, Shepard, Ingram, and Barkley never played in a game together last year. Oh. So those guys getting together will certainly help. And, you know, if we want to talk about Saquon, um, obviously, you know, had a little bit of a down year compared to his 2,000-plus yards from scrimmage in his rookie year. He was a little banged up. Still had, you know, over 1,000 yards on the ground, six TDs, 438 yards to the air, two touchdowns also in, uh, as the passes. Um, you know, let me, let, me, let me hit the call in here first, so, and then Dan can tell us his whole, like, you know, apathetic um, hatred of uh, picking running backs early in the draft. But, uh, you know, Colin, what, what does, like, a healthy Saquon mean for the Giants this year? And, you know, what do you expect from him, you know, you know uh, in, in the, on the team this year? Uh, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for him is that it goes right back to, um, to Daniel Jones, to be honest. Being the, the safety blanket. I mean, you don't have to rely on one guy between the two of them. If, going back to the play action everyone's going to be looking at Saquon. Everyone's going to be thinking he's going to be getting the ball every play. So the more that it could be spread out and kind of spread the love, I guess, would be the way of, of going about it, Would is just going to be better for everybody. So, uh, yeah, injuries were a big thing last year. Last year was just kind of a dud all around. And I don't know, if we get uh, the offensive line going this year, then I, you know, I hate to say it, but sky's the limit. Oh, wow. Quoting Biggie. Uh, so, Dan, um, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about your thoughts on Saquon Barkley, please? I know everyone's excited to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So first off, I, I think Saquon's probably the best running back in the league. Um, he does it all. He's he's a, a dynamic runner. He's a great, great pass catcher. He creates um, just second chances for himself, breaking tackles left and right. Um, he's an incredible player. I think he's uh, a singular talent in the NFL. Um, my whole thing is that you can get value at running back later in the draft. At the time when the Giants took him second overall, they didn't need a running back to get him over the edge. They had no offensive line. They had Eli, who has been awful at that point for the past five years. Um, there was a lot of things the Giants could have used in that draft, particularly trade down, which is what I've been praying for, I don't know, Colin knows, for the past 10 years to trade down and gather more draft equity. Um, so this is more of beef with 
uh, the front office and, and Gettleman and Jerry Reese than anything else. But um, if you look around the league, there are a lot of really good running backs, top 10 running backs that were drafted in later rounds in the third and fourth round, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, um, uh, just dynamic running backs that have a lot of skills. And when you boil it down, your running back can only be so good. It's so dependent on the people around it, particularly the offensive line. Um, and that's what you saw last year. You saw Saquon struggle a lot and get beat up a lot because he had no one blocking for him. And it sort of hurt to watch because you have this beautiful, amazing player who's the most fun thing about the team, and he's just getting beat down and beat down because he's getting tackled in the backfield because no one could put, put up a block in front of him. Um, that being said, I ho- hopefully you know the hog mollies in front of him this year will step up and we can see him do some work in the open field and uh, catch some passes and, and, and be sort of that electric player that you know we know he is. Yeah, I mean, I know I touched on this last week, um, but the pass, his pass blocking is the biggest part of his game. You know, you don't want him to take him out on third down because he's really dynamic out of the backfield, passing the ball, or catching the ball, rather. So, you know, I hope that, you know, Burns, uh, the running backs coach, really, you know, improves that uh, for Saquon, and he works on it. Because, obviously, the rest of his game is, I won't say flawless, but close as it gets, really, for at the running back position. And, and Dan, I think you said it. I mean, I think this all really comes down to talking hog right now. And, and I think we really need to, to talk a lot of hog because um, that's what really is going to predicate this offense and, and really drive it to the next level. We need so, a sound drop for that. We need one of those, like, uh, you know, those uh, sound effect buttons. I guess that will come, come later. Maybe we can do it, do it post-production. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, right. Can we get like a – well, I know. Can we get like a couple different hog sounds? One for like a smaller <laughs> hog, bigger hog, you know. Dwarf hog. Yeah. We get – you get really excited about a hog, we can, like, you know, do a real deep hog noise, you know. <laughs> I want, like, the Price is Right music to go on. Like, the... <laughs> Just, like, talking hogs. Oh. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, I mean, so if we look at the line last year, I know everyone really thought they were terrible. Um, but Pro Football Focus ranked them 17th overall last year, which is not good. It's not as bad as I think we all thought it would be. It was um, an improvement. Yeah, right. And, and you know, I, but the thing is, is that I think most of that kind of stems from the interior line, and I think most of it comes from Zeitler, who is one of the better guards in the league, if not you know top ten, top five probably. Sure. Um, but if you look at like you know the tackles last year, Remmers and Solder were had a, accounted for ninety seven combined pressures, which was the most in the league. That being said, both those guys are gone. Um, Solder opted out for uh, COVID. Remmers is off the team, so we're going to be looking at two new um, offensive tackles this year. I mean, we would probably imagine um, fourth overall pick out of Georgia, Andrew Thomas, will be the left tackle. I think the right tackle we're not so sure on at the moment. Um, Obviously, he was like super pro-ready tackle um, coming out of college. Um, Playing in the SEC, definitely played against, you know, some of the bigger name guys that got drafted as pass rushers uh, early on this year. Um, And apparently also is a very excellent singer. Which maybe he can join up, with, uh, do a band with you, Colin, if he wanted to. You could do like a Hog Molly uh, type band. I don't know what kind of music you play, but um, you know. <laughs> that being said, um, Colin, what do you what do you think about the right tackle position on this team? Uh, it, it's it's tough because the new coaching staff is. I mean, it's so early on; it's hard to tell. But there's they're being extremely veiled 
uh, I think because they're not even sure who's going to be the right tackle at this point. It uh, from what I what I hear and what I read is that there's a very big shot for Nick Gates to actually play center, uh, but I don't think he's going to be um, uh, just playing there. I mean, the whole versatility thing that they're preaching is just going to be very important and very big, but we're also not going to really know who's going to be the starting offensive line for weeks. I feel uh, it, I. It, Frankly, it might even change game to game depending on the schemes because I know Judge is preaching this. Uh, the, the whole Patriots change every week depending on who your your uh, competition is. Not that you want to change the lineup so much, but you you might see different swing tackles here and there. Uh, that said, if, I know it's really early on too, but Matt uh, Peart, or Pert, however you pronounce it, he seems to be throwing people around in camp, which is nice to see. Let's see if he can put it together with the uh, playbook. But yeah, right now, I, I throw it up in the air and see what lands. I have no idea. Yeah, now's, now's one of the best times of the year for over-invested fans because we get a few tweets from beat writers and like a few 10-second clips from, from training camp where guys look like absolute monsters for, yeah. you know, three seconds. So. You know, you saw that clip of of, of of Pert today just looking like a beast and swallowing a defensive end. And you're like, oh, that's our guy. We're set. Like, no, one, no one's going to be ready for this. So I think <laughs> we have to, like, keep that in check. Um, everything looks cool from camp when you're going against air or just one-on-one. Um, and from what it sounds like, um, the impression we got from uh, Coach Colombo that we discussed last week, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to, you know, type someone up for no reason. So he's been fairly fair about his analysis of Andrew Thomas. And um, so I, I, you know, I, I think he's going to do whatever has the best interest, obviously in the offensive line and, and sort of slow play it like Colin was saying, but it seems like there's, there's healthy competition on the offensive line and that's all you can really hope for so early on. Yeah. I mean, the thing I like about Nick Gates a lot is, is, you know, his versatility and, you know, we can do a throwback to guys on the giants like David deal who were all over the line back then. I think Gates could be, you know, that guy for the giants. Um, I know he, he uh, subbed in for Zeitler when uh, they, they had that win over Miami last year. Uh, go Eli. Um, <laughs> and he didn't allow a single pressure during that game. Yeah. So that's great. I know maybe he's more well suited to be on the interior line, but the giants, you know, Gave him that deal. Um, I think he could play right tackle. I think he could play center too. Um, maybe there's more needed center than right tackle with like you know a veteran like Cam Fleming who had started for the Patriots before. I think he's pretty sure he played in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I mean, we saw how Solder did like in, in this sort of different scheme where the ball's not coming out as fast and didn't have as much success. But um, you know, if if it's not Gates at center, Dan, who is who's it going to be? And, and who's right tackle if it's not? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? If it's not Gates at right tackle, is it? Yeah, what do you question? think, man? I mean, I mean, and then hopefully it's 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 Pert, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you'd hope so, right? Who who, who else? Who else even is there? We've got uh, Cam Fleming was who I was Cam just saying maybe. Oh, he that's has right. Started Sorry. In, yeah, he started in the league before, so yeah, I I, I feel like the bottom of the well, or 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 at minimum, we'll have. I'm hoping, you know, a- average play at the right tackle spot. I think there there's some upside Fair. upside from from coaching and and from some of these guys, uh, especially um uh Gates from what we hear and and, and from Pert. So, um Fleming if, if that's what it comes down to, then I think we'll be okay. 
Not great, I'm, but okay. I mean, we just need to see some improvement, and, and that's really all, all it's going to be. And I think Thomas is obviously the most important part of that. I think another important guy on the line um, who had a little bit of a sophomore slump last year was Bull Hernandez. Um, definitely had a solid rookie season. I, I'm probably looking to him to have the most improvement along the line. Um, I think he had you know moments in running pass blocking that were good last year, but ultimately just kind of inconsistent. Um, he might you know kind of lack that high-end strength that, that you need for an interior line. So I think, you know, with some better coaching and perfecting his form and relying a little more on quickness and leverage, um, I think that'll help him out. Do you think Mark Colombo is going to get some more out of him this year, Dan? Um, you hope so. You hope that coaching elevates all the players. Um, I, I know he did. He didn't seem to continue on the trajectory he had his rookie season, but I, I also think it was a fairly solid season. There was a lot of chaos going on with the team and, and, and changes. Um, but I, I think he still... I think he was thrown off big time last year with, like you said, the chaos and the coaching. That was the biggest thing. I mean, I think it was hard for anyone to find any success on the line when it was just kind of like, I don't know, it, there wasn't a, a, a focus, it seemed. And when you're just trying to save your own job, you probably do things you wouldn't normally do if you were in a cohesive system. And I that, that just wasn't the way it was last year, so... I think given a little more structure and maybe a little more uh, uh, focus, for lack of better words, it would help him out greatly. Sure. I mean, I know we touched on center already. Maybe our thoughts. I mean, I just kind of want to mention uh, Spencer Pulley, Shane Lemieux. Um, Shane Lemieux, fifth-round pick from this year. Uh, Spencer Pulley's holdover from a couple seasons. Um He's kind of the only guy on the team who's ever played center in the NFL. I, I mean, maybe that's a good thing to have on your resume when you're trying to compete. Well, Jalapio, um, he's still on the team or no? No, he's not on the team no. anymore. Oh, okay. No, I missed yeah, that. Oh. He, he misses you, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, Lemieux, fifth-round pick out of Oregon. He, he played guard. He never played center. I guess he's only been playing center for the Giants. Um I mean, I don't know how well, like, you know, a fifth-round rookie lineman is going to do there. I know we already touched on what we thought, but, do, do, you know, do you guys envision maybe him coming out? Have you heard anything from him out of camp so far? I know we like to talk, uh, talk about our rookies, so. Yeah, no, I heard I heard out of the draft that people thought he might be a steal at that spot in the draft, um, and that's basically all I heard. I heard that he has some of the tools and can be a, a nasty player, which are things you like to hear about your offensive lineman, but... I don't know any, any nitty-gritty details on him other than that. All right, right on. I mean, you know, um, the offensive line has is, is been a work in progress for this team since, you know, they won the Super Bowl basically in 2011. So, I mean, we just hope that, you know, Andrew Thomas isn't the next incarnation of Eric Flowers and the next incarnation of uh, Jason Peters, who wasn't on the team, but he's the first guy I can think of who had a really great long career in the NFL as a left tackle. Yeah. So, um so, I mean, if you want to just uh, move on to, you know, talking about the pass catchers, I guess we could start kind of just uh, hitting on, you know, Deion Lewis, who I know is a running back, but basically just a pet pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, he's a guy I don't want to see in the field at all because I want to see Saquon down on a third down. Um, Colin, what are your thoughts on Deion Lewis? Do you, like, you know, I know he's, he's, good at, he's good at, you know, being a third down back. Maybe he's a couple years out from his prime. Um, well, I, I think he's the kind of guy that uh, he's not going to be breathing down Saquon's neck to get on the field. So it's, it's that kind of feel-good story, too. He's a local dude. I, I think he's from, well, somewhat local. He's from Albany, I believe. And I think he went to high school in Jersey or something like that. I might be wrong. But uh, 
I like his kind of style. It's kind of that throwback kind of Dave Meggett sort of thing without, uh, you know, I don't know if he was as fast, but, he, you know, the pass catching is big. And any sort of guy that we can put back there that could spell Saquon when he really needs it uh, is good for me. And he's a veteran, and he's been on some winning teams. So I'll, I'll take him. The deal is favorable. He's like a locker room guy, from what I can tell at this point in his career. He's a football player, guys. Uh, He's a football player. He knows how to do the jab. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I was just saying, you know, he's got a real favorable deal. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Just huge. Guys on the cheap, who cares? It's not, you know, I I hope he, you know, has a decent year. Um, I hope Saquon is uh, on the field every third down. Sure. Agreed. Um, and if we, you know, we just want to move on to talking about the wideouts here. Um, I think most of our focus, I think everyone's eyes are on Darius Slayton. Um, you know, 48 receptions, 740 yards, eight TDs last year. Um, guy who recently interviewed said he really thinks his offense could be explosive. And I agree if he is the one that's going to make it explosive. Um, you know, where do we see him on the field? You know, I think he's got to be the X receiver, um, even if he's not the best receiver on the team. Um, what do you guys think about him? I mean, I think he has consistency in his position coach right now, which is, you know, a luxury for a lot of guys on this team, especially a lot of young guys. Um, you know, where do, where do you guys stand on Slayton? If Slayton really develops and, and becomes, you know, the guy on this team, pass catching wise, is this like the best pick Gettleman ever made or what, Dan? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was easily the, the most fun thing about last season, especially after Saquon went down. He's... Uh, a, another dynamic playmaker. He's can take the top off of offenses, uh, off of defenses, like everyone says. Um, he's got good size. He's six one, um, and he he seems to 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 just fill a void that we have. Because, in my opinion, uh, as good as Golden Tate and and, and Sterling Shepard are, they're sort of interchangeable players. I think uh, Slayton, you know, brings something to the table that they don't. As far as um, just just down the seam and, and just, just pushing, pushing the secondary back, um, which will allow Shepard and Tate to hopefully be more effective in, in sort of their underneath routes and, and out of the slot. Um, so I do think he's a key part of this, this offense, and hopefully he can only get better. Yeah, I mean, if he could, if he could take the top off the defense, is he also straight cash homie, Colin, your thoughts? Uh, as uh, Randy Moss once said, yes, uh, I think that is the kind of guy that he can be. I mean, he's fast as hell, and it's great to see. I mean... He surprised all of us last year, frankly. I mean, he came into camp hurt, if I recall, and then kind of just uh, blew up when he needed to and stayed healthy. Let's see if he can continue it. Uh, What I like about the fact that we have um, a million slot receivers is that apparently it's going to be a lot of moving. This offense is going to be all over the place. A lot of pre-snap movement, which is a, a Garrett staple, and I don't think it's a problem that we have two very obvious slot receivers to do that sort of thing. No, I mean, and that's that's another good point. I mean, like, like who do you guys see starting in the slot? I mean, I think those guys are interchangeable. Do you see them going back and forth? Do you see, like, one guy starting in there more often? I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of three-receiver sets. I think a lot of uh, 12 personnel with Engram and, and uh, Caden Smith. But, um, you know, Dan, what are your thoughts on the slot position? Like, where's, where are they going? Yeah, I mean, like we said, the beauty of them is that they can do each other's job. But I, I think my preference would be to have Shepard in the slot more often. He's he's younger, he's a little stronger at this point, and I, I think Tate uh, can can do more stuff along the sideline, or at least we have seen him do that type of stuff. Um, 
but really wherever they, they fit best. And uh, I think if we can get these guys on the field all at the same time, they're going to be a real problem. Uh, if Ingram might be the second fastest receiver we have at this point. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's a lot of cool stuff that can happen. We just haven't seen it yet. Um, and we just ho- I'm, I'm hoping this offensive coaching staff can put it together for us. So you take the too short method and just say get in where you fit, right? Hell yeah, <laughs> that, that that we know. And we yeah we got two slot receivers, two of them. So you know how that goes. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I mean, if we want to, if we want to, you know, talk about Engram, um, yeah, he's the sec, maybe the second fastest guy uh, on the team in terms of pass catching. Also. Um, is the most hurt guy on the team. And honestly, I, I don't see why he's still on the team. I don't think he should be. I think the Giants should have traded him. Um, if you can't, you know, be on the field, what's the point? So, I mean, he's never played 16 games in the season. He's played less and less games each year he's been in the league. His statistics have gone down each year in the league. You know, they're coming up to a point where his fifth-year option is going to be there. Um, I say don't take it. I mean, and if you if you could get compensation for him, get it. But... There's, you know, Caden Smith had a good year. You know, he had 31, rece- 31 receptions, 268 yards, three TDs. He was a six-round pick for the Niners. I'm pretty sure he was picked off, off waivers. He's a better blocker than Ingram. He's got good hands. He catches over the middle. Um, he's not as athletically gifted as Ingram. Maybe he's not the number one. But he maybe can step in there and, and do something for this team when Ingram inevitably is not playing by week four. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion, Colin? Well, uh, I really liked him uh, as Samuel Jackson's character in the movie Unbreakable as Mr. Glass. Uh, he was pretty great in that movie. Uh, he's not that great on the football field when he's not on it. So it's, yeah, I mean, I love his versatility and his, uh, you can move him all over the place and he's fast as hell and all that. But if he can't stay out there, it's hard to put resources into him year in, year out and give him money. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. If we can get compensation for him, just pull the wool over someone's eyes and make him forget that he's constantly injured, then I would be okay getting rid of him when the time comes. Of course, we don't have the confidence that Gettleman could ever pull anything like that off. So I'm going to have those thoughts and put them in my memory bank or, or, or a box somewhere to hopefully open again. But anyway, uh, Caden Smith, I... I liked him last year. He was good. He was kind of that old school tight end. Um, maybe with some development, he can be even better. Uh, it, he's like a one A right now instead of just a straight two. And what I sure. what I would love is to see them out on the field more than you know once a game at the same time. I, I love the two tight end set, and I think coming from the Patriots, Judge would kind of try to want to get that into. Garrett's wheelhouse. Uh, although Garrett used to do t- uh, two tight end sets often, so I think that plays in- to our advantage. Yeah, I mean, um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of the Mark Andrews in Baltimore. Sure. Sort of like a late round pick, not really heralded, and then you know had a breakout year um, with, when Lamar Jackson did. So, I mean, if Ingram, I'm not going to say if Ingram gets when Ingram gets hurt, um, and he comes out, and Daniel Jones is having a good year. You know, maybe maybe he can have a you know emergence. You know, you never know. Yeah, we can only hope. But yeah, I do hope to see you know uh, a lot of twelve personnel with uh, Ingram and um, Smith on the field at the same time. Uh, Dan, any thoughts on the tight end position, or you know? 
you guys summed up a lot of what I, I feel about Evan Ingram. He reminds me a lot of a giant great Travis Beckham, who caught one pass against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, oh, yeah, bend him like Beckham. I remember that guy. Oh, you mean like his leg? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon. Oh, I mean, when was that? That was 10 yeah. years ago yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. It's too late. Sorry, Travis Beckham. We hope you're doing okay. I hope your life is fine. Yes, but <laughs> Ingram's a player that I would usually probably defend just uh, based off of pure uh, talent. Um, but he, he doesn't really earned it. To, this sounds stupid. He doesn't owe me anything. But as a fan, you like to see him come out and, and play hard and play a lot. Um, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So um, in this current iteration of the NFL, I feel like there's been a resurgence of tight ends that not only can catch passes, but it can also block like George Kittle and uh, TJ Hoskinsons, whatever Hoskinsons, Hoskins in Detroit. Um, just more, you know, two-way ability out of their tight end. So um, that opens up things up for more interesting play from wide receivers. Yeah. Um, and, and and if you even look at wide receivers, there's big wide receivers like Devin Funches, who's not good, but the, that's more like what Evan, Evan Ingram is turning into to me. He's hardly a tight end. He's more of a wide receiver. And, should oh, he definitely. just be split out more? Will that like not being in those positions where he has to block going to keep him healthier? That's I what mean, I would do. The mismatch is—he's just a huge dude. Um, put him against a, a corner that's six feet tall at best, and, and, and then see throw it up there. Especially um, a slot corner too, right? I mean, exactly. that's where he'll probably be. He won't be out. I mean, he, I mean, they can put him anywhere. Really, he, he is a talented guy. You can't line him up in line, him. motion him out, have the the corner, the nickel corner, follow him out into a wider spot, and, and then you know throw him a fade. And then every once in a while, you do the exact opposite, and you put Caden Smith out, and you keep Ingram in, and then it's like, oh. Then what? you hand it off to Saquon. And the cover. Man, why aren't we coaching this team, guys? It's crazy. I just don't uh, get it. I'm available. <laughs> Look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could quit my day job, you know, just do a couple, uh, call a couple, please. Or, or just the three of us be the head coach. Let's just be the whole team. Forget it. Neither we might players. win the yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, we were talking about this for years. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, do you guys have anything else to sum up about the offense? You know, I guess I just think, like, positive shots will be good. I hope Daniel Jones, you know, steps up and, and lowers the turnovers. I hope the offensive line is less offensive in general. And I think that's really going to help everybody out. And I just really, really hope that the weapons can stay healthy because there are guys in this team that are exciting. There are guys in this team who are really dynamic with the ball in their hands. Um, so, I mean, I just hope that, you know, hope, you know they, everyone stays healthy, everyone can stay on the field, and, and the Giants have a, have a decent improvement in offense this year. Yeah, I think, I think health is key. I think if people play uh, consistently and up to expectations, uh, you'll see a lot out of Daniel Jones and, and what this offense can really do. And, and sort of just getting in the right trajectory and getting into gear uh, and developing an identity as an offense would be a huge win in my book. I couldn't agree more with you, Dan. I mean, it, it's it's such a crapshoot this year. It's it's crazy with everything going on and just how this team is currently with the new regime and everything like that. I I want to be the most positive guy like I usually am, but it's, you know, years past, it was a lot easier. So, you know, I'm holding out hope that, first off, we actually see them play enough this year. And second, that there's... Uh, a great step in the right direction. A giant step. If you oh, oh wow. Wow. Where'd you come up with that? Uh, Did you, know. were you thinking it, about that? Like, like two weeks ago before, before we even had the idea to do this podcast or, or, or mm-hmm. were given the opportunity to do this podcast, I should say. 
Uh, it was when I started my fandom, I oh, think. Okay, great, great. To great. this to this moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lifelong achievement right there. <laughs> oh yeah. We're also lucky Crowning. to be here. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, we kind of just want to um, end it uh, on a non-football note to give our condolences to Tish family, the passing of their daughter, Hillary. Um, sad time for the Giants family, obviously. Um, you know, we give our give our shout-out to Steve and Patsy. Uh, terrible thing they're going through right now, um, obviously. So, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and moving on from there, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening tonight. Uh, again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to tell us we suck or we're great, whatever it is, um, shoot us an email at bigblueunitedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to share your comments, you know, on the next pod, um, laugh about it or, or whatever else you guys need to tell us. Um, follow Big Blue United on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. See ya. Have a night. Nice.